DKS40 is powered by Cliff Central, uncensored, unhinged, and unradio. Hello and welcome to the Digital Kung Fu Show, a podcast and videocast for startup founders and entrepreneurs. Even if you're alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs across the world hustling today's markets. At Digital Kung Fu, we have one goal, to help entrepreneurs succeed in their ventures through information sharing, digitally connecting them with other entrepreneurs, and by dissecting and deconstructing the world's leading business minds right here on this show. Remember, you can view the full show notes on our website at digitalkungfu.co. .za or tweet this show using our handle at digital kung fu za or follow us on facebook.com slash digital kung fu za okay so before we jump into the meat and potatoes of today's episode i wanted to share with you a funny story i had the pleasure of randomly running into two ceos of digital agencies in johannesburg and within a couple of hours of each other and on the same day too First off, I met the CEO of one of South Africa's highly regarded digital outfits called Injozi in a lift randomly, <laughs> and we wound up chatting about all things business and then some. Then just an hour later, I was introduced to the CEO of 8909. His name is Kieran, and again, we just hit it off straight off the bat. So I found myself immediately intrigued by the stories they had to share, and more specifically, how both their businesses were at very different life stages and facing very different challenges. And you know how you have one of those moments of clarity? It's like the lights went on, because in that moment, I knew I had to get the two of them in the studio with me. Firstly, because we all had similar viewpoints on the world, and secondly, because I had a funny inclination that Nick could actually help Kieran and myself with some of our current business challenges. Weirdly enough, the specific challenges that we both face, I guess, to some extent, is scale. Namely, how do you scale a business and do it in a strategic fashion? And without being reckless, of course, because you see, starting a business is one thing, but scaling it is an entirely different story altogether. It takes specific skills, great decision-making, and above all else, experience. So if you are a business owner and interested in learning how to scale a business, then this episode is for you. So without further ado, enter Nick and Kieran. Hello, Hustlers. This is the 40th edition of the Digital Kung Fu Show. I'm Matt Brown, your host, adjusting the mic. Sorry. <laughs> but we, today we have a very special episode planned, and uh, it's, I'm calling it something like a double header, a double whammy. And you can probably guess why I'm using the word double a lot today, and that's because we've got two guests in the studio. And so we have Nick Argios and we have Kieran McGivigan, if I've uh, pronounced that correctly, (laughs) in the studio with me today. So Nick is the founder and CEO of um, an amazing digital creative agency in Johannesburg called Injozi. Check them out if you haven't done so already. And then, of course, there's Kieran, who's the CEO and founder of 8909, which is a specialist digital agency focusing on social media. So we are representing Joburg today, people. Right. So say how's it, guys? Say how's it. What's up, guys? What's happening, man? Cool. So this is very interactive. Feel free to just ask each other questions. I'm probably going to fuck this up properly because this is the (laughs) first time I've actually had two guests in the studio at the same time. There's beer, so we're all good. Yeah, this is true. Bit of Castle Lights, but a free promo. There you go. Castle, SAV. Cool. So, gentlemen, thank you for your time today. It's great to uh, have you guys here. Thanks for having us. So here are some interesting facts to tee us off. 
Okay. Um, so Kieran's business is turning over the low single digit millions at the moment. And Nick's business is into the double figure millions at the moment. So our burning platform today is scale. Yeah. How do you scale your business as an entrepreneur and business owner? So what's interesting here, I think, is that we have very interesting dynamics. I think Nick's pretty much along, you know, a lot further down the garden path mm. than Kieran. And Kieran is a lot further down the garden path than me. So <laughs> you two guys are going to be my coaches. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to try and steer us all down a very cool narrative. As best we can, anyways. Cool. And you know what the thing is, guys? I don't know how you feel about it, but for me, it's a very common problem for entrepreneurs. What are your thoughts? Well, if I can jump in there, I mean, Go for it. Um, we've been going for about a year now. We started in September last year, um, and we've grown quite rapidly. I hope to think because of our work, but also in saying that there's a huge market for digital and social at the moment. I mean, Massive. people are jumping onto that left, right, and center. And I mean, that's the reason we started the business because we saw a huge gap in the SME market where they can't afford huge budgets that the big agencies are charging, mm. um, but they want the quality work. So it's trying to find that balance. And I think the last year we've grown quite rapidly to – I mean, we're sitting at about 15 retained clients now. Hmm. Um, that's a lot, eh? I mean, it is. I'm pretty happy for a year's yeah. growth. That's really That's amazing. <laughs> you should be proud of that. It really is. But to scale is the tough thing for me. So I think I'm going to learn a lot from you, Nick. Mm. <laughs> so I'll tell you what I've basically learned. Um, I've learned that one of the most important things to do while trying to scale, even though my businesses haven't been designed to almost scale in a sense, um, except for something new that I've, that I've started that is completely about scale. But what I've learned is that you need to templatize everything. So what you need to look at doing is basically uh, taking a look at your business and templatizing all your processes. So Get my notepad out, yeah. Yeah. So what it's you being need recorded, to do, it's fine. I got this. <laughs> so, Informal learning. <laughs> so I mean, in any in any startup, the most important person are normally the founding members or the founder. Yeah. Um, and what happens is all that IP, all the network, all everything sits with you. Yeah. Okay. So the problem is, is that you need to take it from basically out of your head and onto a piece of paper and then from there you can pass it on yeah. without it being templatized and process driven you actually have nothing because what scaling means is is basically could someone else replicate it without you yeah C could you do that at the moment i wouldn't say and that's the problem that we're finding at the moment you know yeah. where we've run into a roadblock is that it's kind of like in digital, you need so many hands on board to get one job done. Mm. So we're trying to figure out where we need the resources to scale, firstly. But to uncover what that resource is, isn't as easy as you would think it would be. Mm. Right, where you'd think, okay, cool, we're struggling on the content division. That's great. We need a lot more content writers. But then because you've got more content writers, you're struggling on the paid division. So you need more paid. Mm. And then while you're scaling, you've got to decide where that money goes because money isn't just growing on trees. So you've got to say, which resource is going to best capitalize on what I need? You sure about that? You need 15 retained clients. No, you sure? Okay. Pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about templatizing. Those are SOPs, right? Standard operating mm. procedures, I think would be another term for them. Yeah. So, so to your point around resources, right? Surely if you're documenting every single aspect of your business, literally from acquisition, whatever those touch points are to deliver a service or some form of proposition, that if something is documented, then by nature, anybody should be able to follow it, right? 100%. Correct. So, so to your point about resources, is what's the actual inhibitors here? What are the constraints with scale outside of templatization or SOPs? 
Well, I can say my biggest problem at the moment is time, and I think that's everybody else's problem. Mm-hmm. Where I'm focusing on doing creative while focusing on doing strategy, running the business, doing the books, trying to scale. Where do you find time to do these things? I mean, a simple thing of going through an interview process. Sometimes you have to interview people up to five, six times. <laughs> Just getting time for one interview is a nightmare. <laughs> Maybe you should well, templatize that. Yeah. If your shit's in the first five minutes, I, out. I, I got a little story about that. Please. Um, last year, I spent 80 hours in interviews. Jeez. I mean, that is, that is ridiculous if you think about it. So the year before, it was probably just as much. But what I realized is I was just giving people far too much time. And I realized I actually could pick up or sense or whatever it is, um, probably within the first, I'd say, between three and five minutes. If this person is suited for my business, my business is based on culture. There's a certain type of person. There's a certain type of level that we're putting out. If anyone's seen the type of work in Josie does or Audio Militia does, you'll, you'll very, very quickly realize the caliber of work we're actually putting out. Now that takes a certain type of person. If they don't have the skill set, we know we could possibly teach it to them. Um, but it's finding that the fundamentals, do they have what it takes to join our team, the personality, the drive, the passion. Uh, do they approach everything with integrity, honesty, things like that, the things that we hold dear to our, to our hearts and our company's culture and so on. And that's what you're looking for. I've also realized I've made some really terrible decisions. You get, you, you need to grow quickly. You get panicked. You can't find people. So you kind of take. What Not anyone. Get. Yes, what you can get. Worst move. Yeah. I got burned so badly last year. I I lost basically millions yeah. last year yeah. because of bad decisions in terms of bringing in uh, developers, things like that. And I got burnt. And I'll never, ever, ever do it again. And what would you say you've done to mitigate doing that again? Um. Well, you know, when we, even when we brought the guys on, they were doing tests and so on. So what I've also learned or been taught is, um, if you see that there's a problem, basically, you know, hire slowly, but fire very quickly. Mm. That, that's what I've learned is, you know, people are perler in an interview and they'll sell you the world, man. This yeah. guy can do anything. He rocks up. And nothing happens. He has none of the skill sets he told you about. And I think as soon as that happens, either, well, what you got to do is approach it and say, listen, you haven't been truthful. Either he's got the potential or doesn't. Um, if he doesn't get rid of him. Yeah. That, yeah. that's what, that's what I've learned about it. So I've also learned, um, answering your question is phone the references. Don't just hire. Phone people, yeah. ask them. I've been phoned by so many big agencies to ask me about people that have left my business. And I've been honest. If someone's not good, I will tell them because I care enough about the, the industry as a whole to try and safeguard it from the Cor- corrupt apples. If exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I got another question. Sorry, I'm jumping in and asking questions. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I should do uh, this sort of thing more often. I get to sit back. <laughs> <laughs> this is me learning, you know. Um, what I wanted to know is when you started off hiring and whatnot, so you started the business, was it yourself? Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. No. I'll tell you my story. My story is a little bit different. By the way, that was one of my questions. Well done. <laughs> I win another beer. <laughs> yeah. So basically what happened with, with me is um, I went to college with a bunch of really talented guys. Um, uh, long story short, my band got signed. I needed to make artwork and so on. So I went to this company called Injozi where all my mates were. Three, three of my friends were there. And uh, I, I hated what I was doing. Yeah. And... I saw that they were super talented and we did all this artwork really well and so on. And I started in the business. I wasn't part of it at all. But within the first year, I was able to treble their turnover. And in three years, it was tenfold. Yeah. And so on, so on, so on. So they saw that I, I was good at basically running a business and they were – they were artists pretty much. That's how, that's how I view the guys. You know, anyone from a, a developer or a songwriter or whatever, I view them as artists. They are not, um, meant or, to, to run a business. There's a big, and that's the one thing, uh, I, I found out is I started in, in, in Josie with zero shares. Five years later, I earned a hundred percent of the business. What? But, but, the guy, <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing is the guys that were in the business with me are still in the business because they love the business, but they are the artists. They are the innovators. Yeah. That's who they are. They didn't want to worry about rent. Mm. Do you love worrying about rent? Oh, I love it. They didn't want to worry <laughs> about human resources. They didn't want to worry about where our next client or paycheck is coming from. That's a different type of human being that can actually handle that, which is something you obviously have. And did you go into it knowing that you were going to be more of the business side than the creative side, or did you figure that out along your path? See, it's weird for me because I went to National School of Arts, okay. so I'm as like arty as they get. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're a fucking creative. You're yeah. like a, basically like a hypocrite. Don't listen to whatever Nick says. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I walked in, and there were these guys that, that were like, you know, we all went to college together. That's how I knew these guys. You know, we were all at Vits together. And, uh, I and to Vits, good man. Yeah, it's great, man. It's a fantastic cricket. Yes, crickets yeah. on the side. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, where were we again? Uh, you were creative. Oh, uh, yes. You if, be, uh, yeah. Uh, I, th I think that was a natural progression for me because I could interface with people. That's where they struggled. Um, my business partners uh, were ama are, are amazing at what they do, um, 
because uh, they still work with me now, but um, they could, they struggle to communicate. All their ideas are in their heads, and I was able to articulate what they wanted to say and get it out there and sell. I mean, uh, I've, I've said in a couple of interviews, but like when I was younger, I look back and I go like, was I crazy? <laughs> I used to walk into Ogilvy and TBWA and all these places, and I was just this young guy that had just started, and I just go like, look at our stuff. We're amazing. Yeah. And I'd I did believe it and, I, and the product was really, really good. And it just kind of exploded because people were like, geez, this guy's passionate and the work's great. And that's amazing. So long story short, I, I didn't know I was going to be the business component. But it kind it. of fell but into it, place. Yeah, it just fell into place. And it's what the business needed. Yeah, right. I, that's it. I think it's interesting because I was interviewing Brent Spilken uh, last week, and he was his whole business is based on that exact insight that creative people are great at being creative, really crap at actually running companies. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it's interesting that you've kind of got both. I don't know what you call well, that, the left and the yeah, right hand side yeah. of the brain. It's you know weird because I, mean? I have to. <laughs> I'll go in and like I was I was with our accountant and stuff this morning, and then I got to step out of that and then step into the music studio and give like. Musical advice or <laughs> yesterday, yesterday I was coaching, uh, two kids. One I think was probably about six and the other one was about four in singing or just getting performance out of them, which I love that I have to do. But my point to you was that what I have found, and I think a lot of people will find and you will find it is that there's art in business and it took me a while to find it, but it's there. Mm. Kieran, let's talk about you for a little bit more. Um, how would you describe the chat, the main challenge in your business right now? Is it just scale or is it more along the lines of potentially strategically shifting the business in a new direction where, where you're at? Well, look, I think with regards to shifting, I think we can find ourselves naturally moving to where we need to go, which is quite nice. Um, digital is new in this country. It's new in the world, but more so in this country. So people are only cottoning on now. Um, so the biggest problem for us would be scaling, but scaling with the clients. So like I said, we're going after that SME market. So they're not paying the big bucks that the big agencies mm. are getting for their campaigns. Um, so we're getting smaller income, but we still have to deliver the same quality of work. So it's finding out how do you keep that level of quality while scaling is what we're struggling wow. with. How important is platforms then for you? Platforms are important, but I, often I find that these platforms are put in place and they just, they add more work. You know, I'll tell you, for example, um, we are talking about digital platforms. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Give cool. an example of a digital platform. So basically, um, we run a whole lot of Facebook pages um, and there are a lot of tools where you can run multiple pages off one tool. Um, you get... I mean, there's yeah, quite a fine. few, yeah, yeah, Maltwater yeah. and whatnot. So we're currently using Facebook's native business manager. And it's perfect because I can run all my adverts, I can do all my analytics, and I can do all the content creation within one place. And that's great. Now what happens, I mean, you get a lot of companies that are built, they've already locked themselves into platforms. So you then sign them on, you've got to jump onto that platform. Mm. It then pivots you a little bit because you've got your process. Your process is set in stone and that's how your business is working. Then you have to pivot. And that's, I suppose, where you have to kind of be a bit more flexible. Mm. So for me, the biggest, why I was asking you when you started the business, because I started the business on my own, fresh, like I sold myself mm. and that's how I sold the business and grew it. And then when it became too much for me to do myself, then I started bringing people on to help me. Well done. That's Which amazing. Is, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. When's the right time to scale actually? I mean, do you, is this something that, you know, that you do straight out of the blocks 
So there's a scenario which I can share about that. Or is it something that you were supposed to do yesterday, today, in three years' time? Like, what's the short answer there? You know, like, if I can answer that from my side, the way I've been doing things, as I've just explained, is very let the business come in and then make a plan for it. And I must say it's very tough because you're always flying off the seam of your pants, right? You're always Mm -hmm. cruising. And um, I often think that if I were to plan ahead – it would be a lot better. But then, you know, small business, cash flow, you've mm-hmm. got to work it in. Um, so I was actually having that conversation earlier with someone that for me, what I see a lot of small businesses, they, they scale too fast mm-hmm. and they can't keep up with it. And then their cash flow just goes out the door and you can never regain that yeah. until you start taking loans and whatnot. And you really don't want to do that. Yeah. Can you give an example of what you mean by that? Uh, what? So, <laughs> <laughs> so for instance, okay. like, so it's like, okay, so let's, let's talk about me here. I'm tired of talking about you guys so much. <laughs> Please, you look but, great today. So let's thank talk you. More. Yeah, I know. I know. I feel great. I know. You know, it's how I roll today. That's right. But, um, Seriously though, like next year I'm going to be starting a consulting company, which is going to be firmly based in the service design business transformation space. So how do you take an analog business and put that into, well, package the equity within that analog business in such a manner that they can take advantage of digital. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Huge space, huge space. Um, so I come from a consulting background. I was at Accenture for seven years doing all sorts of like ridiculously big stuff, global systems tech, uh, business process, re-engineering, outsourcing, all that kind of stuff. So I understand what it's like to be part of a global consulting firm. Okay. So I'm in a situation now where I have the potential to land way more business then I can potentially deliver on my own. In fact, it's just not fucking possible. Yeah. So, so what do you do? Do you say, do you say, cool, let's just play it small and kind of keep it tight to make sure you're profitable for the first year? Or do you just say, fuck it? Cause I don't really have a risk, uh, warning signal. <laughs> <laughs> So, so switch that switch that on. Yeah, 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 I know. This is why I'm talking to you guys, you know what I mean? It's like funny how your your mindset changes. Yeah. No, but I, I mean that seriously, like um I'm not a comp- I'm not reckless about it, but I'm very smart about and pragmatic about how mm. I think I can deliver things. Cuz I know my processes and my internal, you know, d- workings of the business already. I've got all the assets I need to scale, mm. the sub stuff, I'm there. So I'm already a lot further down the garden path because I've been in that situation yeah. before with my other businesses. Yeah. So I understand in, in principle how to pull this thing off. So now I'm in a situation where I can land, say, five companies. Mm. Five. Right. Cool. But to next point, what you mentioned to Kieran was that he's the face of the business. Mm-hmm. So if I'm selling, so I had a meeting today with a client and it went very, very well. And so they were like, let's go. Mm. We need to do this right now. Our revenues are declining. You're the guy for us. Let's make it rain. Mm. So I land that one. I can have the same conversation in, in next week and another one the next week. And basically within, by the time January rolls around, which is literally around the corner, I've got a massive pipeline mm. potentially yeah. that I can go and make lots of money on, right? Yeah. And so that'll put me into like easily two, three million, right? Mm. So all I actually need is bums and seats. Yes. So you're saying that I need to, Kieran, I'm pointing at Kieran. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so Kieran's saying that I need to not do that, I think, is what I kind of garnered from it. And I, I don't know what your sense is, my, Nick. Yeah. You know, like how, what would well, you do in my situation? I, well, what I've also learned over the years is my advice to you is what I would do is grab this one client, whoever the, the best client is, and I would close the loop. I would go nurture, for it. Nurture, nurture. Yes, yes. Get the deal done. 
Number one, do it right. Get them signed on the dotted line. Then, second thing, let them pay you some money. Yeah. Do the work and do it very well. And what the I have whole learned, project? Yes. End to end, one client. Yes. Yeah. I would nail that down and bed it down. And then I would do um, a little bit of like a report or post-mortem on it and go like, okay, client, what did I do? What did I do well? What did I do wrong? And then go and get the next one. So my growth strategy would probably be slightly more conservative, even though – um, you pro- could probably sell ice to an Eskimo. Thanks. And that's great. <laughs> and that's very few people have that talent. So I would, I would start off far slow and just make sure, um, you know, my, all my cogs are turning properly and so on. And again, that's where I go to those processes and so on. You need that, that in your business. Make sure that's right. Even though you seem like you're completely process driven, I'd close the loop and then go to the next one. I wouldn't just go and run and get all five because what happens if you drop all five eggs? Yeah, well, exactly. You're not going to make a, yeah. an amazing omelet or yeah, when no. it's on the floor. You <laughs> yeah, know no, what I mean? It's not ideal. So, yeah, that, that would be my advice. So to slow you. and Take, steady wins yeah, the race. Yeah. I, I think so. You know, I've seen guys literally explode and at all collapsed very quickly i mean we're speaking about some businesses outside yeah. that we've seen that happen to and my businesses have 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 grown slowly but very steadily um audio militia for instance and i'll give you an example of what i mean um i've had um a, a, a production person leave but i've basically had no staff turnover in six years none none that's unreal as in zero zero for that's- instance you know, and, and even in Josie has very little staff turnover, mm. you know. So for me, it's about the, the longevity, the end of it, you know. We're talking outside about offers and things like that. We've mm. had, I don't even know how, like about eight offers in four years on the business. Haven't sold yet. These are offers to buy a company. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. Haven't taken any of them because didn't believe in what their propositions were. Mm. Yeah, it's such great advice. You wanted to jump in. I think what I wanted to say was, it's interesting that we're both sitting here telling Matt that we should be growing conservatively. Where I can tell you at the back of my head, it's the last thing I want to do. Mm-hmm. I just want to break out and bring all the business I can. But yeah. The scary thing for me is, I can go and get the business, but then delivering on it is the problem. Because yeah. if you don't deliver on the business that you're selling on, it puts a mark next to your name, and that's a mark next to the name to the next client you've gone to. Because mm. all you have is your name at the end of the day. Correct. I mean, you sold yourself, I sold myself. Next year, Matt, you're going to be selling yourself. Mm. If you don't have a good name, your company's not going to grow. Yeah, toilets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. This is why I have the show. Great informal <laughs> <Yeah>. learning. <laughs> Digital Kung Fu, South Africa's mentoring network. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Can we talk about the different sort of life stages of businesses? I don't know whether you're familiar with – when actually Kieran and I met the first time, I was talking to you about this guy called Azizes. Yes. Maybe. Anyway, so he was talking about um, the different stages of business, and he spent pretty much his entire life, right, looking at talking to CEOs, entrepreneurs, about well, yeah, and and they were running companies, massive companies, small cap companies, medium cap companies, and so forth. And really, what he was trying to identify were at at what stage or at any particular point in the stage of a company, what are the types of problems that exist? So he, he tabled this model and I'll post this up in the show notes guys, but I'm going to share with you just two, right? There's, there's the infancy business, right? So their thing is cash flow. Yeah. A huge issue for 
most of small businesses. I think yeah. Zach George was telling me like 30% of South African businesses go bankrupt every day just because of cash flow. You yeah. know, it's interesting. I didn't pay myself a salary for eight months. Really? Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to build my cash flow up. <laughs> and it was tough because I didn't live hardly. That is amazing. I dude. was eating two-minute noodles. Yeah. But I knew that if I built that cash flow up in the long run, it would have helped. Fantastic. Yeah. And did it? It definitely did help. I mean… Do you think that if you didn't do that, something really bad would have happened? 100%. Definitely. 100%. I've, done, I've been in exactly the same position. Everyone thinks it's a glamorous thing being a, being a business owner. Mm. But <laughs> people don't understand that, that, that your sacrifice is so, so normal. So many guys have done that. I've done it repeatedly over a nine-year career where you're like, I have to grow or I'm scaling, I'm building new studios and so on um, or whatever it is. Um, and you have to now find the cash or you, you just have to balance the books in the right way mm. um, just to make your 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 growth viable pretty much. Because the one thing I've learned is that – and you – are going to learn this. Yeah. Is what what I learned is that I'm just one cog in an entity. Yes. The whole thing for me is that in Josie and Audio Militia or Godbot or whatever these things are become far greater than me. Because when I was young, four years into the company, I had offers on the business even back then. And I sat back and I was like, so what are they actually buying? Yeah. And I was like, shit, they're buying me. That's that's all I have is me and and another like four creatives. Um, so they're just buying me <laughs> and a couple of talented dudes. That's all it is. There is nothing more. There's no IP. There's no processes. There's no templating. There's no form of scalability. There's nothing. They've just seen a dude and gone. That guy's going to do something. I want to buy into him. I would do the same thing. Yeah. But is that how it works? I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, in there, I mean, I had Vinny on the show, Vinny Lingham, and he was telling me, I said, look, if you're going to invest in a in a startup, obviously it would be a tech startup, but what do you invest in? Is it the idea? Is it the business model? Is it the ability to scale? What is it? And he said, it's the founders. Yeah, he doesn't care about the business. Yeah. He needs a technical dude and someone who can sell. Or in your case, Nick, someone who's creative. You can yes. do creative outputs and someone that can sell. Yeah. Same thing applies for you, I guess. You always have those two sides of the coin, don't you? Mm-hmm. You know, the problem comes in then is you're selling yourself, but there's only so much work you can do yourself. Correct. So when you start handing it over to other people and other people within your business even, clients already start getting a bit nervous. So it's about managing that expectation up front that I've learned. Because when I went in… I was selling myself 100% because I was doing all the work myself. Then it got to a point where I had to scale. And then I started selling a little bit differently. It's almost yeah. like I pivoted my sales pitch. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's entity. You already s- stepped into it. Yeah. And now you're realizing what entity is. So let's talk about that because that problem's definitely going to happen to me within yeah. the first like two months. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I raise it because I mean, you can sell yourself. Yeah. And you know, but you know what? My biggest thing is not about, I can manage the clients, right? And if I can't, typically I'm not very good with Matt. It's like, listen, I'm the strategic conceptual guy. But ideally, I could get someone in to manage that relationship while I transition over into other business to enable that scale, right? But on top of that, my biggest thing is uh, trusting other people to do the work. Oh, wow. Trust yeah. is the biggest name in the game, man. Yeah, big time. Seriously. And when you think – because it's not like delivering a banner 
right? I'm serious. This is no, with all due respect, it's like there's delivering a banner and then there's delivering a strategic competency that's either going to keep people employed or it's going to cost them their livelihoods. That's Correct. the game that I play. Yeah. So I can't afford to fuck around yeah. with minions. Yeah. I'll have someone writing SOPs and stuff. No yeah. worries. Going to meetings, helping me with doing interventions and workshops, training or whatever. But in order for me to scale a strategic competency, ultimately, how the hell do you do that? How do you solve that? There's, there's two ways. One, and you run a risk here because you never know, but you need to, basically employ 18 players people that are possibly better than you yeah that's kind of that's one of the best things i've learned is like um i've joined or been asked to join a lot of things that um that i love because i'm not the smartest person in the room anymore that's it so that's one thing the second thing is like when you're a small business or a startup again when you're looking for people you're you're trying to find those gems the guys that come in and they have all the potential in the world, but the thing is you've got to give them the time. You've got to mentor them. You've got to pave the way. You've got to put in that time. Um, for instance, I've got a diagram that sits right next to my desk of how my day is split up. Everything between new business marketing and strategy to admin, mentorship, it's all there. All of it. And you follow that. And, and I try and follow it and I get upset with myself when I don't. Like you can ask my team, I'll get mad sometimes because I'm not following my own schedule. Um, but back to the point, which is you got to try and find those people and breed the greatness out of them. Yeah, that's what you're trying to do. If you can't afford them, you have to find them. them and nurture them because yeah. they are amazingly talented people here. So I'm going to put a slight spanner in the works. Yeah, right. So. And I'm only saying this because I'm talking from experience, right? You're coming from a business where you're one man doing everything. You're trying to hire people who you know are wiser than you in the long run, but you know you have to train them up. Where do you find the time to train these guys? I've got a business coach and he goes, make the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so is that what you're going to tell me? Yeah. <laughs> I just told you. I'm going to tell you, you're not asking the right questions. <laughs> No, but seriously, it's funny because I had Gordon Cook on the show also yeah. this week. I don't know if you know him. He founded Vegas School of Advertising oh, cool. and Lemon Farm. And anyway, so long story short, he, we're talking about questions and it's interesting. Entrepreneurs, they get stuck, right? And even John Sane and I were having the same conversation about questions. And because if you don't ask the right questions, you're never going to get the right answer. 100%. And if, like you said, where do you find the time? In other words, I don't have, I don't have the time or, you know, why don't I have the time? It should be the question that you should be asking. I don't have the answer for that, dude. <laughs> really? Cause it's, it's like the only non-renewable resource. That's the thing, right? So, so it's all, of, it's, I think it's about not finding the time, but learning how to work smarter, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah. I've, been, I've been to corporates just quickly. Sorry to butt in there. But um, some amazing things. Um, they had um, almost – what are the little time clocks kind of thing? What are the little things with the sand in them? What are they called? Ta- uh, sand clocks. Sand clocks. Sand hours. Sand, sand hours or whatever. whatever yeah. So, they have those in each boardroom. And they've got one for 15 minutes. Oh. And they've got one for half an hour. Yeah. So, there's no meeting there that takes more than half an hour. They don't believe in it. So – Exactly my points in the interviews where I started with our interviews and slowly, slowly I, I boiled it down to, to 15 minutes. That's what I give some person. So I've cut 45 minutes off of an interview because I've realized, Oh, I kind of got it really, really 
quickly. I know if this person's going to work or not. So why should I waste my time? Yeah. And I think that's all you got to do is just trim the fat on everything and you'll very quickly see that there is a little bit of time. But being an entrepreneur, I think um, you're really going to have to look at it and just understand that you're going to be working Sometimes, do I remember the early days where I worked through the night sometimes, yeah. like, and you just go and go and go because you have to. It's it's like you know my my wife asked me like why is it like this 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 and that and I said to Nicola the the honest truth is for me it's not a job this is life or death yeah yeah it's a life or death because for instance at my one office um, my lease over the next two years is over two million rand it's like. Where is that money coming from? If it doesn't come from the business, what are they going to do? They're they coming straight to me and they're going to take… The trees, remember? Yeah. Oh, true. <laughs> the, those trees. You must give me the address. But, uh, <laughs> but my point is that money, the landlord, they will find it from something. They'll force me to sell my home. They'll force me to sell my car, my assets, all of these things. They don't care. Hmm. And that's what happens. It's life or death. That's it. And a lot of people don't realize that, huh? Yeah. I, I mean, I met a guy at a company once and he was telling me that he had been paying. He had a business. It failed. And at that point, he had been paying the landlord back for seven years. I mean, my heart literally broke for the guy. I could not believe what he was saying to me. I said to him, couldn't you find a tenant? Couldn't you do this? Couldn't you do that? He said the landlord was a bastard, bastard and took him to the cleaners. Yeah. Seven years later, paying off rent for your business. That's, that's uh, crazy. That's not cool. No. But on a lighter note, have you? <laughs> <laughs> Doom and gloom. Yeah. Kieran, speaking about next point in about 15 minutes, it's actually a thing that I've been a very big proponent on because if you go to a meet, how many meeting requests aren't, but just aren't me this case. How many meeting requests do you get in a day? And it's just a meeting request. There's no agenda. Agenda. It doesn't uh. say what decisions need to be made. Doesn't attach any contextual information. Wow. Do you know what I mean? So I've you're just, right. A I've lot. Just, I, I just delete them. <laughs> I just delete them and say fuck off because actually what you're doing is you're not respecting me. Wow. Yeah, Never you're thinking that like you can that. come in here, wait around for me. I must be honest, I've started doing that too because it gets to a point where unless we're going to have clear deliverables from this meeting, I don't like we were mm. saying. Where's the time? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You can get stand-up desks for that, for meetings. So you get rid of the sit-down. <laughs> Just change your office. Just put that 500K into renovating. I'm yeah. telling you. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Never heard of that in my life. Small things. No, I'm serious. But it's all for productivity. Just some amazingly beautiful furniture as well. Office furniture for that kind of stuff. You should Talking about that, you like drag it around with you. Like, you like, <laughs> yeah, like you like fold it up, you know, and then, you, and then you're there. You can have a stand-up awesome. desk and pick and pay. You know Sweet. <laughs> But some seriousness onto that, we actually are in the process of moving to bigger offices. Mm. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Um, so Why? The reason being is that I know in the next two months we're going to need more space. Okay. I know in the next two months I'm going to be hiring at least two to three people. Hmm. Right? Firstly, I need a space that's going to inspire my staff because if they're not inspired, if they don't want to come to work every day, then the quality of work is just not going to mm. be there. Secondly, why I'm saying this is because I'm putting my cock on the block. Because it's a big risk for me moving into this bigger space mm. where I can just afford it now, but I know in a few months I could afford it easily, right? And I have to take that risk now and take a step back on all the other expenses because I know in the long term that that's going to help me out. Yeah. And I think that kind of like leads into the scaling conversation where I'm kind of putting the plans in place before I've actually scaled. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'd rather 
get the space. I'm sharing the space with someone else, which helps. Um, and then fill the space progressively. Yeah. Are you guys familiar with the concept of distributed teams? Mm-hmm. So it's a way to offset your, your cost structure while you're preempting scale. And there's this whole, it's the future of work. I don't know whether you've heard that term. And it's all about disrupting or changing the paradigm of business owners who think that they need large premises and large teams all sitting together in order to deliver a business. Mm. And um, I wrote a piece about the seven pillars that you need for a successful startup culture. And one of those pillars is an open talent policy, but it's all about approaching. I don't know if this shit actually works or not, to be honest, it's all theoretical. For well, me. you're going to try it next yeah, year. I'm right? going to, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but no, but I'm serious. And this is irrelevant for me because why do I need to hire? Why do I need an office? I'm at clients all the time. And if I'm not, they should be my office. Yeah. And if they're not at the client, then they should be working from home. Mm. So why do I need – I'm serious. Like, well, as a con- to your it's point. A, it's like, I think the point is, is what business are you running? Yeah. Like for me, uh, you know, and Josie makes games and things like that. We need the team to be – Together, yeah. Yeah, dude. Like the the dev guys, the the, the animators – the art direct, everyone needs to be there because when you're building this, it's under such a tight deadline. And I've kind of found that ideas flow do. as well, you know, which is amazing. We've got this, this open plan office. It's, it's very collaborative and so on. And I think it works. I, I think for some businesses, like I had a meeting with a guy called, um, Paul Riley from, from Hollard. His entire team works from home and they have an app. That's it. That's how they work. I said, so where's your office in here? He's like, no, 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 I don't work here. I work from home. I said, where's the rest of your team? All of them at at home. All of them. And is it working? Yeah. He says it works fantastically well. It's interesting because I think you have to find the right people for that. Yes. Because for me, the biggest… Or the right business for it to work in. The biggest reasons I jumped straight into an office is because I knew I had to remove myself from the home place. Mm. Where you have to… It changes your mentality almost. Even if it's a two-minute… Even if it's a cottage on your property… Yeah. You've moved into your workspace and now you're moving. Yeah. yeah. You're not still sleeping in your bed thinking about what happened last night and Yeah. <laughs> what did happen last night? Oh, you don't want to know. That. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean the other thing in terms of growing office space again with with a, with a business. I mean if I look at this this thing that we're trying to start it's called Gotbots and so on, the, that model and in terms of scalability is not based on people. Yeah. It's based on on servers. And things like that, that we are able to scale artificial intelligence and all that kind of stuff. It's not based around people. So I truly think it's about what the business does. Mm. If I look at my audio business, the only way it can scale is by me building more studios. And only one guy sits in a studio. I've got one, one of my biggest studios, 80 square meters. One guy sits in it. Sure. One, one dude. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and he makes coffee and tea. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Three for the price of one. <laughs> exactly. And some amazing tunes. <laughs> cool. So can we talk about systems? Cause I know we we're talking about mm. SOPs, but let's assume that, you know, my amazing consulting company is now <laughs> kicking ass, still kicking ass and so forth. And I've got everything documented, the SOPs, et cetera, et cetera. When, and I'm sure this will vary depending on the business type to your point, Nick. But in your case, Kieran, for instance, when are you going to invest in something like a CRM system? 
to help scale a particular function. So I know Salesforce is a terrible example, mm. but a SaaS product that does something like that. Do you know what I mean? When do you start making those calls? It's a good question. I, would, I kind of would have liked to ask the question myself to Nick because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting at a point where I know, look, you've got to know your blind spots when you're starting a business. You've got to know what you're good at and mm. what you're not good at. And don't be overconfident in the areas that you're not because it just makes you look like a fool in my mm. opinion. Right? Know mm. what you're not good at and be honest about it. And I know I'm not a good project manager. I lit- I'm ADHD. I'll have 50 tabs open at once on my <laughs> and three emails busy being written and something notes being yeah. written and I'm busy reviewing something else. That's just the way my mind works. So it's been really tough for me managing all the projects mm. and whatnot that go on. Cause like I say, when you've got 15 retained clients, that 15 retainers you have to manage every single yes, month. Correct. There's a lot of back and forth and managing. So for me, that's interesting you say that because I think the next place I'm going to go is either investing in a system or investing in a person that can take the place of a system. Mm. And I'm not sure which is better. I kind of feel the person might be better than the system. And it's funny saying that because we're in a digital yeah, exactly. industry here. Yeah. But you can't beat people. Yep. Yeah. What are, what are your I think, thoughts? I think mine's based in two ways. One is, I mean, your your business could be based on five clients. Would you truly need a CRM for that? No. But also, I don't need to relationship manage using a system. Yeah. It's high touch. Exactly. Yeah. So face to face. There we go. You could get to a point though. So let's say you have you have five clients. That, I'm just you know, yeah, yeah, gotcha, hypothetically yeah. speaking. Thanks, cool. <laughs> now great, and your business is booming off these five people, well and done, that's bro. amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you and you are up now. Let's just say to thirty, all of a sudden. And I think it it, I think that CRM almost ties hand in hand with things like HR. So I think when you normally get to around, I'd say about 20 people and so on, you might have to start looking at things like that, like getting an, an HR person. When did you bring in a project manager and you stop managing yourself? Uh, sure. I, I did it really, really early on. You did? Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty damn organized for, for a dude. For a creative. <laughs> yeah, for a creative for a dude. Creative and a dude. <laughs> yeah, for a dude. <laughs> yeah, man. So crazy. <laughs> you know? But, um, but I realized very early on that I needed someone that, that, uh, was very, uh, almost like logistical in, in her thinking. How are we going to disperse? In her inf- thinking. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was it. This was it. I, I, I brought a lady in by the yeah. name of, of Leanne Jenks and she was the bomb, man. It, it was amazing to have someone like that. I mean, r- right now I've got, I've got a production team. I mean, my, my production team, I think is six people. Almost, I'm the only guy in, in the production team. I just think, uh, from what I've seen, um, a, a lot of the guys that have, that have come in kind of struggle, um, to kind of multitask and so on. Also, what I've realized is, is, um, my production team are almost all girls are actually a lot tougher mm. than, than what I am on some clients. They are like, no, they've overstepped their bound, their boundary or the at scope creep. We will be charging them. <laughs> well, I'm like, but you know, be I nice. don't know, be, be nice. Yeah. This is they are like, keep the relationship. yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and they're like, no. This is not how it works. It says it in our terms and conditions. We've given them their two reverts, actually three. I'm charging them. And you're like, wow. And I just, I say to him all the time, I'm like, thank goodness I have you. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> thank goodness I have you Can because I, I wouldn't, 
be able to do that. Yeah. Can I just say that that's your insurance policy on your whole business? <laughs> because agencies, I come from that background, obviously, and it just bleeds money because of that exact thing. Mm. Talking about scale, I mean, they're selling, there's only really two types of businesses. Those that sell services, those that sell products. If you're selling services, time and hours generally comes to that or project fees, right? So mm. you can drive a million people to a platform, take your AI platform. Yes. What is it called? GoBot. GotBot. GotBot. That's it. When, when can we go and actually play around with it? Yeah. So, I mean, we're looking to um, hopefully launch early next year. We've been uh, kind of adding a couple more components to it and so on. I mean, Chris has been fooling around with it, but um, we've basically gotten it uh, to a point where where you can talk to it. Mm. Um, and it will realize what you're saying and respond to you, yeah. which is, I mean, today he got on it and he was like, what's the weather in Cape Town? And it worked it out. It took a little bit of time, but it literally, it got back. And I was like, Chris, yeah. you're amazing. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> you know, just running around the office because he's like, dude, I'm doing this thing and it's crazy, but you'll see. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah. Just like, uh, don't tell me it's got a good engine. Show me the car and let me drive it. Yeah, yeah. So today he was like, yeah, check this out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he does it and I'm just like wow that is raining my in Town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's raining uh, in Cape Town that's yeah, too yeah, funny so, man yeah, but I mean brilliant. to your point this is the point that I'm trying to get to right is that there was always that services business and then there was this product business especially yes. and this is becoming the product side of things has become more and more prevalent as digital yeah. has kind of penetrated business mm. and the entire world right so I can send a million people to Gotbot. Correct. Right? And it's going to sit there, run in those servers and scale and create a beautiful experience. Service-driven businesses, what if I had a million projects, just even a hundred, try 10 yes. projects to deliver. And suddenly it's a whole different thing Completely. to scale, right? So my question there is, again, what are your thoughts on, I suppose this goes back to like different types of businesses that you're building, right? Mm. When you start out, you're going to shift, right? You're going to shift and pivot and change your story to your point to suit what the business need is. And it's funny for me, like when you are theoretically thinking about a business, like I am potentially, you could say it's a bit more further down the line than that, Mm. to be honest, but it doesn't matter. You have an idea with a proof of concept. Once you're in market, suddenly the market then starts to dictate what you need to do, right? How do you manage the demands of your clients or your market? To in such a way that you can consistently manage the requirement to scale? Mm. That's a good question. That is a good question. I think it's a question we're both trying to figure out yeah. the answer to. No, definitely. <laughs> For me, yeah. it's about knowing when to say no, if you know what I mean. And it's not an easy thing to say no. I've had to say no a few times this year, and trust me, it is a big pill to swallow because when you're growing, you just want to bring it on. Yeah. Sometimes you know you have to. I've learned that in a business cycle, you have to go up, plateau, then go up and plateau. If you don't have those plateaus, it's like you're running up a, a sand dune and the sand's just running from below you. You're just mm. never going to get to the point where you're feeling consistent and happy, right? So it's about knowing when to say no. Firstly, who to say no to and how to say no. Because if a client's bought into you and said they want to give you the business, this is my thinking anyway, mm. you guys could disagree. The client's bought into you and bought into you doing the business. Even if you say no, saying no sometimes has a bigger benefit than saying yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you, um, I got offered a huge client. This client would have taken our agency to the complete next level, but I knew we weren't ready to do it. Mm. I knew that I could sell us in 
but delivering on the work would have been really tough. And I didn't want to risk dropping the ball because I knew it would have a much more, it'd have a much, a huge and negative effect on the business in the long run. So I said no. And I went to the clients and I said to them, I said, listen, I'm going to say no. I'd really love to work on your brand, but we just can't deliver on what you need right now. Maybe in a year, maybe in two years, we'll be able to deliver. But right now, we can't. And I'd rather focus on the smaller piece of business you've given me, do well on that, and then we can start moving over. And can I tell you what? That client came to me and said, let me tell you, that's the best thing I've ever heard someone say to me because you're not just trying to steal my money. They can Mm. see that you actually care. They said to me, thank you so much. And in a year, when you're ready, let's have a conversation again. So you're not closing the door fully. You're always leaving it slightly ajar. Mm. And I guess that comes down to sales, right? I think you did really, really well there. I think your answer in general is spot on, actually. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, well done. Yeah, well, well done. We can come tequila? back anytime. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know how long it takes people to learn that, to say no? It probably took me like four years. <laughs> probably take me well, like 40. You know, it's crazy. It's, it's a really good lesson that. Eh? It's amazing that you do it so early on. I mean, you've got proper foresight there like you're, you're seeing the problems shut, before, shut. before they happen I think they and it takes balls to do that it's not that's, easy I can tell it's you it's not easy yeah great answer I think it's brilliant I mean, and I, I agree with him wholeheartedly mm. I think it's like it's exactly what it is being able to say no and people are coming to you for that that type of work I mean in but, my instance as well I could just say over and above that is you do get to a point like where I mean Probably about three weeks ago, we fired a client. He, Best he, thing. Yeah, it is. It, really? it literally is. I mean, I've got a, I've got a producer, um, Shirley, who's amazing, and he called her stupid. What? Yeah. And I was like, you're far from stupid, and he's really a pain in the ass. So I said to her, how would you like to handle this? And she's like, Nick, his business isn't worth it. He's not an enjosey client mm. you know one of our things uh, 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 we've we've like l- almost written our ethos down and and it ends with ends with that um we do good work for good people we are in josie that's what it says at the end he wasn't a good person so i asked her what she wanted to do she said i don't want to work with him anymore and i said you have every right to you write the mail i'll read it and you can fire him and follow it up with a call and she did it. Awesome. Paid him his money back and off we went. Yeah. It's probably somewhere where I'm probably going to have to go soon because we are in an industry where people take advantage of you. Sure. Fully. Yeah. Even when you're in a big agency, they see the agency and they think that they are the doormats. <laughs> They've got no one else to come down on and they come down on you. And yeah. <laughs> There's nothing you can really do about it, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting to say that mm. it's worth it because hmm. <laughs> I think one, yeah, it's and it's a difficult decision. It's the same as saying no, is you know, firing clients can potentially bring your business in. And I think for me, my view there is to always be very aware of the type of client that's your ideal client because yeah. it's not about landing all business; it's about landing the right type of business. So, for Spot instance, off. yeah. So I mean, like, so I had a chat with a company and. They, again, same scenario, declining revenues, blah, blah, blah. But their problem was that they didn't really buy into the need, right? So I could have quite happily sat there and spent a fair bit of time trying to convert them. And to your point, Nick, I probably would have. Mm. And then I would have been sat in a situation where I'm trying to sell a very specific type of value. And they wouldn't have been the right 
client to buy that value yeah. and it wouldn't have worked. It would have been a complete mm. waste of time. And to Kieran's point, it would have put a dent or a mark against the brand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but on contrary to that, I had another client who's just like chomping at the bit to get going. Mm. There's no conversation. There's no education required. <laughs> it's just like, guys, you need to fucking come in here and solve this shit as soon as possible. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's like, and so, do you know what I mean? But yeah. I could take that business and yeah. waste my time training and trying to get them to a point where they now realize yeah, the need. Yeah, or yeah. I could just say, hey, I've got these guys yeah. right here who actually only need for the first yeah. six months or yeah. It's it's really, really interesting. We went um we were asked to pitch on one of the biggest hotel chains in the in the country and we and we went in and I actually the marketing manager um sat me down uh, I mean we, we were in the pitch we came back the second time and she asked me a really, really tough question or she posed it in, in such an interesting way. But basically what she said is she was like, you're the the best agency we've seen here by a country mile, but you're too creative and the type of work that we'll do will destroy your business. Mm. And, and it was just like exactly your example. They came in, they could have taken us like to the moon. And I sat there and I was like, am I going to sacrifice like all the stuff what uh, you stand for exactly for no. and and it was amazing to me that she had that insight mm. that she said it to to me she said our business will basically destroy yours and i was blown away by her and i and i yeah i thank her for that it was mm. and and i felt like i didn't kind of answer the question properly because she caught me so off guard because at, in that moment all I want to do is win the business and convince her. Yeah. But in my in my honesty and <laughs> and my approach, um, such a nice guy, uh, <laughs> dude. She she was absolutely right. But I, I felt uh, like I, I said to my business partner afterwards. I said, dude, I don't know if I did the right thing, like the way I answered that and and so on, because I basically agreed with her. And instead of like going for it and getting the business, but I think in the end. It was the right decision. It would have killed you in the end. Yeah. It would have I, killed I all your so, staff. You that know? turnover, that yeah. your staff turnover mm. would have increased tenfold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, funny enough, I had a very similar situation. It was a pitch for a major telecoms company. Mm. And the guy sat there and said the same thing. You are the best creative you know, agency that we've seen yeah. today. And then he said, but if we give you our business, we'll put you out of business. Sure. Straight up. That's, he said, you guys can't handle us. So what are you going to do about it? Sort yeah. Of thing. And it was that, mo- I mean, we still went for it anyway, but that wasn't my decision to make. Yeah. But let me tell you something what happened as a result of that. All those things that you mentioned about staff turnover, in, uh, unhappiness, inability, pissed off clients, crap creative output, all that stuff happened. happened. Oh. I've seen it happen before. Eh? Really? Eh? Yeah. I've never been through that. So like, I haven't. It's not a good well, place a good to be. Thing, You're lucky because your staff start resenting you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been in a position where I've been the staff resenting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose. Sure. Uh, that's, I like that. That's quite thought provoking. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. Me too. <laughs> Thank God. It's okay. <laughs> so can we talk about decision making here? Yeah. Cause I think it's kind of what we're all touching on, right? Yeah. Is when you sum it all up, scale or hiring the right or wrong people, what types of clients to land, it's all decisions, right? How, in your experience as entrepreneurs, how, how do you, Know whether you've made that, whether, whether, whether the decisions that you've made have been the right ones or the wrong ones. So what I'm getting to here is, uh, do you have any feedback mechanisms 
either intuition based or, you know, more externally based from your staff or people? Or potentially, how do you approach big decisions? Who do you consult with? What have hmm. you learned? Can I jump in there quickly? Because it's a funny story, actually. So, and it's funny because I had a fight with my girlfriend this morning about it. In Congratulations. That, <laughs> thank you. It went really well. <laughs> We're still together. <laughs> Basically, she gets angry with me because I can't make decisions in, when it comes to my life. Where it comes to dinner or mm. it comes to where we're going to go on holiday or what we're going to do You're on just Saturday indecisive. Night. I'm very indecisive because, I don't know, I just like to live on a whim, right? But when it comes to business, I'm the complete opposite. Same, yeah. And it's funny because I actually did a psychological test a couple of years back. And the personality that came out from a business perspective and the personality that came out from a personal perspective were like the polar opposites. Yes. Mm. And it, they say that you overcompensate. Right. And I don't have a problem with that. I'm glad I'm overcompensating because when it comes to work, and I think to answer your question, my number one indicator is my gut. Mm. You always know you trust yourself because you are the one that's been in it for the longest. Mm. You understand the inner workings of the business, how it's going to affect it. And don't go on your gut all the time. There has to be some decision. I'm um, kind of like, there has to be a process in making that decision, but you'll always know by your gut if you've made the right or wrong decision. Mm. And it's a, it's a funny thing to say, but it's there. So what happens with you personally then? So when you make that, so you, you feel it in your gut, right? Your intuition saying, don't do this or do that. And then you make the decision. What response do you get? Immediately, as soon as I've made the right decision, I know you can feel it. It's like a weight off your shoulder. So for me, the question will come in and I have to make a decision. Before I've made the decision, I've thought, okay, cool. What's the long-term effect this will have on us? What's the short-term effect this will have on us? Is the long term bigger than the short term? Because the short term is not always what you want, right? The short term is a quick buck and that's the end of the day. What you want to do, like we were saying earlier, is nurture your clients, right? Mm. So if you can think, for me, if I can see that the long term gain is going to be good for this, but I'm going to take a loss for three months or whatever it is, I'm going to say yes because my gut's telling me that Mm. the long term is going to be better. And we're in for the long run here, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to build businesses. I mean, you you haven't sold your business yet and they've tried to buy it a a few times. Yeah. It's because you're in times. the long run. Mm. You're in yeah. the long run, right? And yeah, it's making absolutely. those decisions. Yeah. Well, for me, decisions are sure. I think I've become. I'm Greek, so Elare. it's Elare. Yes, <laughs> it's like Where's the fucking it's plate. The, the, yeah, it's the fire. It's the you know, um, kind of part of it. So what I'm getting at, what that all means, is emotions, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've had to kind of control my. My emotions a, a, a lot. I think I've got a good touch point with people and so on from a personal level. I can kind of feel, analyze what's going on a little bit. Um, but what I've realized is that I need to um, respond and not react. It's yep. something I've started to live by a little bit because there's so much fire in the soul. And um, I, I talk a lot to my team. Um, we went and pitched on a big big piece of business and before I did it I said guys we're going to pitch because probably next year we're going to stop pitching completely um, so I went to my whole team and I said guys this has come up it's a massive beer brand and are we going to pitch and I let everyone say their piece and everyone got buy in and then made the decision um, that's a good more, way to do it yeah, yeah. more business based decisions I'll speak to my partners I've even spoken to my dad or, or other entrepreneurs. So one of the things that happened to me was, was that 2011 came and I call it the great cull. 
happened. All my mates that had businesses, I mean, I hope you don't go through this one day, but I went through a phase where only one of my friends that I knew still had a business after 2011. It destroyed everyone and everything. Um, because I think the recession kind of hit us a couple mm. of years later and so on. And, um, I couldn't speak to anyone anymore. So I, uh, invested in a business coach and that's taught me a lot. But other than a business coach, it's other entrepreneurs. So phone people, ask them. They, you'll be surprised at the amount of insight that people have, you know? Um, so I, I talk to tons of people. One of the things that happened in talking to people, I spoke to this amazing guy. His name's Marco from a company called Eurocom. And, um, I've worked with him okay, before. Fantastic. So you know him. Yeah. He, he's an awesome guy. You should have him on the show. He yeah. he's an ama- amazing story. Um, but anyway, he, the one thing he said to me, um, w- w- I got like a couple of offers and I said, Marco, like, have you had stuff like this happen before? And he said, yes, I've sold shares in my businesses and so on. And he said to me, that uh, this was his piece of advice was, Nick, let me tell you something. You right now in your business, you're marching to your own drumbeat and you're going and you're feeling it and it's feeling good. And so on. He said to me, when you sell and you sell your business, you will never march to your own drumbeat again. Yep. And that's the thing. That's the thing that's kept me from selling. Isn't that an incredible thing yeah. to say to someone and that's what i mean my well, advice the happens, did it in the first place right yeah yeah it's to be the the master of of my own destiny exactly. pretty much is like i've always had this this intuition or, or you know a feeling that i want to do things uh my way or the, the way i see is right and so it might not always be right it probably isn't but the way I come to decisions is often speaking to a team. I'm very open. Eh? I, I don't sense. keep things inside. I'll come and speak to you. I might even give you a call one day and say, hey, man, what do you think of this or what have you? I think that's really important to get lots of bits of advice. And another thing is not only um, uh, speaking to other business owners, but speaking to, the, to your top team within your business. So for instance, I've got a technical director, an ECD, and a design director, and my head of production. I will speak to them about everything. Because I know my technical director, Chris, is is almost the complete opposite to me. He he is is almost not emotional about anything. He's completely driven by logic and so on, you know, which sometimes goes out the window with all the emotion. So I I you know, collaborate with people on decisions a lot. But in the end, it's your decision. You know, an interesting thing my father actually told me, um, like you say, speak to your father, speak to whoever you can, because it really does help. Like just to get a different perspective. Mm. Even Sometimes they might even say the thing you don't want them to say, but it'll come, it'll help you make the decision you need to make. He always told me that never make a decision impulsively. Always think about it. If you say no, you can always say yes. If you say yes, you can't always say no. (laughs) Mm, Good advice. That's correct. And I thought that was very clever because you can. Yeah. If someone comes to you with a proposition, you say, ah, let me have a think about it. Mm. Um, I'll come back to you. Cool. The ball's in your court now. Mm. If you say yes impulsively, try saying no. Yeah. I dare you. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I've been leveraging a lot because through the last year, I've been building this network. You guys, for mm. instance, are here, right? So, and I've, to next point, it's been amazing because every time I have a thought or I think I'm going to do something, then I'll go and have a chat to whoever it might be. Mm. And invariably, my whole perception of what that problem was changes or I have a far richer insight into what needs to be done. Even this conversation has helped. So thank you for that. That's awesome. 
It's Thank lovely. you, guys. <laughs> Last question, because we're going to get kicked out here, I'm sure. Is it that time already? Yeah. <laughs> more beers, more beers. <laughs> right. So, last two questions for you guys. What's your why as an entrepreneur? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Let's start with you, Kieran. I think my why goes back to what Nick was just saying. It's, I wouldn't be happy if I wasn't marching to my own beat. And it's always been that way. I I was born an entrepreneur and I can't do it any other way. I've worked at big companies and I've just felt suffocated. (laughs) And I wake up every morning thinking like, I actually can't do this anymore. I can't go and work for someone else. And it's interesting because that's where my business model is going is that my business model is to empower the people that I employ, to give them that sweat equity, to give them what they need. Do you know what I mean? Mm. When I hire people, I don't tell them, you're going to come work for me. You're going to come work with me. Mm. We're going to work together because... No one, it's all, you need to have a flat hierarchy. But anyways, what I'm trying to say is what gets me up in the morning, I suppose, is just innovation and driving what I want to drive. It's that simple, I suppose. Amazing. Nick? Um, for me, it's the, the parallel is there, Kieran. Um, but there's another thing for me that I really, really do love is um, I've loved watching my team grow and i don't mean in the size of people but i've got a couple of people that have walked in like um in audio militia and audio boutique uh, uh, um there's a guy called etienne heckler and this kid walked in and we gave i gave him an audi commercial i was like right to this and he gave me back a focus on <laughs> then I gave him, then I gave him a, like a Simba commercial and he gave me an indie track. Then I gave him something else, you know, whatever it was, SAA, and he gave me back another indie track. But what's ended up happening is this kid is like, he's going to kill Heinz Simba. It's like he has <laughs> blossomed in five years into this beast and is that not and more rewarding than that, anything that else? is amazing i love that part of it I, I i've loved watching my team grow in every aspect yeah, um it, it's it's so cool to see and 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 yeah you, you want them to become the new business leaders um within your business so that i love num- number one um number two i think it's how can i say this it's like it's going to sound really weird, but there's a certain level of pride in understanding that you've created this little business, but families live of the business. It's, 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 it's such a bizarre thing because you look at it and you go like, they are living like whatever, their car, the rent, uh, their, their, their home or, or what, the food they put in their mouths. It all comes from this idea you had. Like a couple of years ago, and now there are all these people that work with you, and you get to share your lives with these people. Like I feel enriched by my team. I feel I'm adding value to them. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, and and they are adding value to me. That's the whole point of this, you know. And it's to kind of grow this family. One of the things my dad said to me when I when I started, he said to me, "You know what, Nick? Do me a favor and." And just buy yourself um, a kitchen counter, a kitchen table, basically, and eat together. Do the simple things in life. Don't talk about business. Just sit there and have a meal together. And I've still got that desk in my office. And this hap- I had Investec sit at that desk 
today <laughs> you know, at this little table I've bought. And I think that's been an amazing thing. My dad said there's something primal there with people, with a team. It's a clan. It's, it's family. And tribes. I think, that, yeah, tribes. There we go. And I feel that's what we're trying to create. And it's hard to create that. It's not easy. And I think as a business grows, that's what becomes really, really tough. Really tough. I look at these, these monsters like Ogilvy or TBWA or whatever, and I admire them massively, but I, I, I almost struggle to comprehend how they, they have culture or how they instill that. You know, like I've seen the guys from Chipotle talk. They got 30,000 staff, but they still have culture. Yeah. They hire from within. They don't bring in some big mm. dog. They, they, they are tabling people up the whole way. And that's what I love. I want the people that are with me now to be the managers at the end or run the business or whatever it is. That's what I want. Mm. I think if I can just add to what you're saying, because I think it. what you're saying is 100% on par with my thoughts. And that's, we were saying earlier that when you hire people, you need to hire people that you feel are better than you. There's nothing more rewarding than hiring someone and seeing them become better than you. Mm. There's nothing more rewarding than that because you feel like you've added value to that person. And there's nothing – for me, I care a lot about how people feel and how – I mean, my, mm. I studied psychology. I don't know how I ended up doing what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> like people's a big thing for me, right? Yeah. So I hire on personality. So like the guys I've hired, I love them. They are such gents. Yeah. And they work their asses off. And the way I've seen them grow – one of the guys, he was actually sitting in, the, in here the other day because he's a musician as well. Yeah. Um, he had never done social media before when I hired him. And today, he's sitting at the office managing shit on his own mm, because mm. he's grown that much. And I can't tell you how happy that makes yeah. me. It's an incredible feeling. It really is. Uh, it's like watching your legacy literally walk around you. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That's cool way of looking at it. Yeah, that is it. Eh? Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Guys are so full of compliments today. <laughs> it's Friday. It's the beer talking. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, guys, seriously, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. This was fucking awesome. Yeah, I really awesome. enjoyed it. Um, and I'm definitely going to do more of this for sure. Thank you. So yeah, thank you so much for your yeah, time. Thanks, I know man. you guys are busy, sick. gentlemen, but um, yeah, tons and tons of great stuff and insights here. It certainly helped me. So thank you. Fantastic. Great. Thanks, Matt. Cool. cool. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. That was Rockstar. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Eh? That was fucking cool, bro. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is just a quick message to all of you who have not yet gone to digitalkungfu.co.za to register and sign up to join the Digital Kung Fu community. If you do that right now, I will send you some free training. It's uh, some stuff I've developed specifically for entrepreneurs and business owners. Uh, I like to kill my subscribers with kindness, so to speak. Um, but yeah, the main reason is it gives me a way to communicate with you and to get to know you personally a bit better. So if you haven't done so, please do that now. And so until next time, remember that the Digital Kung Fu Show is now on iTunes. So head on over there now and leave us a review. You can also catch the Digital Kung Fu Show on player.fm, Stitcher, and cliffcentral.com. Thanks for listening to the Digital Kung Fu Show. If you'd like to check out more episodes and get access to our growing community of entrepreneurs working together to succeed in business, then please visit our website at www.digitalkungfu.co.za. 
Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.